Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, and I'm joined today, the returning Mr. Hess. How you doing, buddy? Hey, brother. I'm doing good. You know, all things considered, the Lord's been very providing over this past uh, uh, three weeks that I've been missing. And uh, man, my life felt so much more empty without you. <laughs> well, we missed you. We definitely missed you, buddy. And we're glad to have you back. So in the world news, uh, I heard this week about a Michigan-based Bethany Christian Services allowing, uh, they are adoption agency, and they're starting to allow same-sex couples to adopt children, which. Um, Personally, I don't think there's any issue with same-sex couples adopting children. My big issue comes by the fact that this is a Christian organization, and our Christian belief dictates that a marriage is between a man and woman, and that's it. So I don't have so much an issue as just, in general, same-sex couples adopting kids, because I believe the Lord can still work in their lives and, you know, lead them where they're supposed to go. But as far as a, a quote unquote Christian service that has, you know, kind of stood behind same sex or behind the traditional marriage description, I have an issue with them suddenly after 77 years deciding they're going to relinquish that, you know, how do you feel about that? Well, as usual with our intro segment, when we first address what's going on in the world current events uh we do get a little bit political and unfortunately uh so is everyone else right now so um this is just integral with um what everyone thinks is modern times the thing to do and it's uh never disrespect anyone allow everyone to do whatever they want and so you do see uh some of this I'm not going to call it tainted or, you know, mixing waters, but, you know, you do start to see some of these, uh, so to speak, outside influences start to be more integral and even debatably infiltrate a lot of the, uh, a a lot of the Christian based services like it is, or even the church Mm -hmm. itself, you, you do see different churches sort of pop up all over the place that are like, yeah, but we have, uh, we have gay priests now, or we have a gay pastor, or we take a totally different approach to it. And it's, you know, it breaks the code of, are they really doing this in the glory of God? Now, that being said, I am one of the people in agreement where, you know, same sex marriage is, is a debate no matter what. Um, but, I do want to. I, I do actually agree with you that God works in mysterious ways. Um, he is not leaving anyone behind necessarily, mm-hmm. so he, he's definitely going to still be involved with these people's lives. Uh, and if this is something that you know a, a child in need can find a stable home, uh, regardless of what their standing is politically or even certain life cho- mm-hmm. lifestyle choices, not anything dangerous uh, in a way. Um, maybe this is just his way of, you know, reaching out and being able to bless people, uh, specifically these kids with every available resource. Um, the fact that it is sponsored yeah. by a Christian 
company though, or, you know, like you said, for 77 years is a little strange to me. Whoever had to present this or whoever felt like this was the best available option, I'd like to hear more about it from them directly. Yeah. And it sounds like they did this because they didn't want to lose their government contracts because apparently the, the state of Michigan has placed this on them. But honestly, this comes down to one of those situations where are you going to take government money or are you going to stand in your convictions? And if your conviction is that, you know, as Christians, same-sex marriage is a sin and, and that sort of stuff is sinful, then you shouldn't be forced to work with those people. It's kind of like the cake shop thing that happened here in Colorado. And oh, just, the cake like, shop thing. Last year, finally. Yeah. yeah well, the guy's convicted not to work. I mean, he's he says he can he's has no issues selling stuff to these guys, you know, they can buy any of the pre-made cakes that they want, but when they wanted him to make a specific like gay wedding cake, he put his foot down and said, no, I can't do that because of my Christian convictions. There's plenty of other cake shops. You can get same thing here. You know, Bethany Christian services was, you know, same sex couple would come in and, say we want a child and say we can't work with you or i'm sorry uh but this 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 other adoption agency down the road works well with same-sex couples you know and if their mission is to place christian kids or hopefully christian kids you know in christian homes then that they've got to stand by their convictions on that it's not so much a should gay parents will be allowed to adopt or anything like that because you know statistically speaking they adopt more kids than anyone else so yeah by all means let them adopt just when a service that says they're christian and is you know stood on this this principle for years suddenly flips on it it just makes me wonder if they're they're really you know walking with god in that yeah and that walk with god is definitely a very good factor that you brought up um and yeah, I mean, this is, it's, it's kind of muddy water to, to mix, uh, to mix adopting and same sex couples into one subject and be like, okay, there's, there's pros and cons to everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just, I just want to pray for, uh, and I do continually for people that are wanting to be adopted or that are in need in those situations. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we should probably start transitioning into the next subject. I was definitely going to reverberate <laughs> off of that, but it, you know, more cake shop stuff. Oh my gosh. When was the last <laughs> time you heard about that? Oh yeah. We could go. Um, cause it happens all the time, you know, unfortunately. Right. Oh, well, I, I will say one thing though, uh, regardless of, uh, your gender orientation and all that, there are opportunity seekers for these innocent businesses that we do end up seeing. Yeah you know, that like want to create a controversy for their own sake. But anyway, speaking of uh, something that's a little bit controversial so we can get moving is the uh, Pentagon came out in a statement that says uh, members of the military are not going to be required to get the coronavirus vaccine technically yet, because uh, eventually they might need to, if the FDA says anything about it and says, well, we'll hold up a minute. This is a national emergency. We have to enact on this, but they would have to override the Pentagon in order to do that. So as of right now, yeah, if you're a member of the military, yeah. 
yeah, it's kind of an interesting contrast because they're in most government facilities they're mandating that every employee gets vaccinated. So the fact that they are demanding office workers and people, just employee general employees of the government to get vaccinated, but not the military, it might speak a little bit to, are they worried about the long-term ramifications of this vaccine? Because I mean, you don't want to put anything in your soldiers that, may cause issues down the road, right? Mm, so that is an interesting perspective. I was just thinking like, so. you know, compared to the citizens, they might not want to implicate that because then more and more businesses are going to start implicating that. And there's plenty of people who don't want this and maybe you see yeah, a job uh-huh. shortage or, you know, some more controversial yeah. stuff on the citizens front. But that is a good point. I mean, I'm not 100% yeah. diving into uh, is this dangerous? Is there a conspiracy involved with yeah. it as, as we like to joke around, but you know, no laughing matter yeah. on this. I mean, that's, that's gotta be, you know, this, that has to be proven over a certain period of time. And, you know, eventually yeah. they, if we all start adapting to a vaccine yearly, however many times we need to get it, then it might be a different story. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no. And, and like I said before on this podcast, I'll get it when my, my yearly health fair guy brings it up as, so I, I might get it as early as the, the, this summer, you know, because I think that's when our health fair is. So <laughs> it just depends on if they have it or not. I'm not looking for it. I'm not going out to get it because I don't qualify even if I wanted it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll just wait. But all the older guys that work here, they're getting vaccinated. So that's good because they're yeah. more vulnerable. Well, you, you do work in, uh, okay, correct me on this. Agriculture was the word I was going to use. And I'm like, does agriculture yeah. still apply to livestock? <laughs> yes. Yes. Cool. Yeah. But uh, talking about the vaccine and all that, we are approaching one year of lockdown. So that's how are you feeling about it? Because I mean, Personally, it was last year around my wife's birthday, which happy birthday, dear. It's coming up again. Um, uh, Unfortunately, we've been locked down for the entire year. You know, it's kind of a sad, a bittersweet thing. But I I just kind of feel like at this point, I'm probably not the only one getting restless, kind of just want things to go back to normal. You know, the vaccine's getting out there. People have had it. Uh, People aren't as dying, you know, nearly as much from it now. So I don't know, mm-hmm. just kind of antsy, want, want this lockdown to end, but how you Yeah. Okay. So you're in Colorado and uh, I, I right. for those of you who don't know who are listening, I actually was uh, born and raised in Colorado. So I do know uh, quite a bit about the state We, me and uh, JD didn't actually live very far from one another. Uh, but I do see the severity that that state especially has been reflecting on it. And it's a little bit politically affiliated. You know, we see more often than not that, uh, so to speak, the left is um, a little more, uh, I'm not going to say paranoid, but they're definitely more strict on the idea Mm. of COVID and control uh, of whatever it may be uh, out of fear, out of reason. I don't know. I don't like to associate with either the left or the right. I associate with Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but in Missouri, uh, to finish my point, we they are much more lenient, whether it's political affiliation or not, 
Um, so because there's so many people out here that don't have as much money as they do in Colorado, uh, a lot more limited medical resources too. And they just want people to work out here because we have massive unemployment. We have, um, you know, poverty uh, that's pretty widespread in the state of Missouri. So there's only so much that they're going to tell people what to do. And they know out here that, uh, just by the grace of it being a Southerner state, no one's going to listen to that anyway. Um, (laughs) and uh, no offense to St. Louis and Kansas city. Those, um, those are kind of like, um, you know, the two towers in a bunch of flat land and in the Ozarks, like, well, what are those? You know, they kind of separate themselves, (laughs) but either way, um, we actually, this is kind of a current event at the end of the month, Missouri is mandating that you don't need to wear a mask anymore. And yet in Colorado, it's like the polar opposite where I've seen you guys being in an actual lockdown. Yeah. We weren't in lockdown for more than like a month and a half. You know, they freed us pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've been locked down for over a year and the governor or the, yeah, the governor showing no interest in, you know, opening things up like at all. But Mm -hmm. I think he's getting pushed to that place because it's a really red state with very blue city centers. So, yeah. Uh, you know, the, us out here in the country have been kind of going about our business anyways and just putting on a mask and dealing with it when we go into town. So, yeah, yeah. he's also a firm believer that um, of like, um, I'm not going to point fingers like Dr. Anthony Fauci, but um, even uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's been representing a lot of the official business, uh, I don't think he is currently anymore, but he, his voice is still being heard. Of, uh, the yeah. government uh, uh, intervention about COVID. And he was pretty much saying, I mean, and some people find it to be kind of a quack either way. There are people out there, including him that believe that, um, that mask adaptation, constant sterilization is going to be a part of normal life. And they also want mm-hmm. to invest in that because that, I, I mean, the only positive thing I really see about it is disease control, which makes sense yeah. because we had a global scare mm-hmm. this time and that did result in casualties. But, uh, it's, you know, it's just mm-hmm. kind of funny at the same time, like, oh, yeah, well, we actually want to change our way of life completely. We want people to change for good now because this was a yeah. great idea. Yeah. Right. Especially with the, the flu statistics, but we, we've dragged on long enough talking about the world. Let's, let's get into what everyone's here to talk about. (laughs) We are 15 minutes in folks and we're getting rolling. Yeah. We're just getting rolling. So anyways, uh, last episode, which you missed was talking about the fall of Babylon. It was this great description of just how, how terrible this, this city is. And it's talking about a city in the Mm -hmm. passage and how fallen the people were and then the destruction of this and how the people around it were lamenting over its destruction. And we talked a little bit about how that could be perceived and how that could be interpreted. And last episode, this is a correction that I'm making. I treated Babylon as a nation, but another good interpretation as my pastor brought up was, uh, to see Babylon as the materialistic culture, which once he said that, I went back through the passage and was like, wow, it actually does read like a materialistic culture because it's talking mm-hmm. about all the stuff, the gold, the myrrh, the spices. It's talking about all the stuff and how 
this city, this nation, this culture revolved around this stuff. So he sees it as a way that it was this materialistic culture was going to be destroyed. And so I thought that was a pretty worthy interpretation and wanted to put that guy that in your guys' ears if you listened to last episode. That's okay. So, so I mean, I have read that chapter before, and that's a really awesome way of putting it because you know, they, they label it in a certain way, which definitely from like literal interpretation would look like a, this is, this is an isolated event sort of thing, or this is a, let's give you a physical manifestation, a physical picture right. of what it, this looks like. And the fact that it's widespread nowadays, exactly what was going on with that. Um, you could, you could say anywhere in the world could be a Babylon situation, especially with what, with a lot right. of the unrest which was going on just as we started up the podcast last year. Yeah. 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 So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, Would you be so kind to read our first section of scripture? Yeah. So we're doing two sections today. The first one, I'm really looking forward to this because it's, it looks fun. (laughs) All right. Okay. So this is revelation. Chapter 19, for those of you who are just catching up. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged her on her the blood of his servants. And they shouted again, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of, testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. Hallelujah. So, starting off there, hallelujah is a compound Hebrew word for praise, halla, and uh, the yah is alluding to Yahweh. So, it's praise God. So, the more you know. Okay, so can you... Um... So... With you defining hallelujah, 
and yeah. uh, telling me what Yahweh is. Uh, I've heard m- multiple phrases associating with the name of God. We brought this up yeah. in a previous episode. Jehovah, Yahweh, mm-hmm. um, the Father, uh, everything in between. Is Yahweh, mm-hmm. when you break that down word for word, or syllable for syllable, if you will, is there mm-hmm. a specific definition to Yahweh, or is it straight up? So in yeah, in, in Hebrew, Yahweh would be the proper name of the Lord. That would be his his quote unquote name. So in Hebrew, they normally wouldn't uh, say that out loud, just out of reverence for God. So they would uh, they would do this thing where they would put Adonai, the letters of Adonai, in the word of Yahweh. So that was like Yahuwah, which when it was translated by the Catholics from Hebrew into English, that's where we get Jehovah. Jehovah, yeah. So Jehovah is actually just a bad translation of Yahweh because they were translating that that amalgamated word that has Yahweh and uh, Adonai, which means Lord, put together. Hmm. So that's where we get Jehovah from. So Yahweh is his proper title, and Adonai just means Lord. So anytime that you see in the Bible the little capitalized L-O-R-D, that is the proper name Yahweh that it's translating from Hebrew. Oh, okay. And yeah, because back in the Old Testament, they also referred to God as Lord. And then, yes. you know, prior to anyone having any knowledge on uh, Lord Jesus. Um, so that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what that was all about. So, so salvation, glory, and power stand opposed to the dragon and the beast and the false prophet. So in this, we see that we're seeing the contrast between the beast's, you know, reign and God's reign to come. And the voice that we hear crying out is most likely the cherubim around the throne. Mm-hmm. And we know this because they say our God. So it's probably not uh, God speaking of himself. That'd be, though he does that, he does that in different ways. So the four contrasts that are in these last couple of lines here is uh, God being praised for his reign versus, you know, the reign of the beast. Then the bride of the lamb versus the prostitute. So last time we talked a lot about the prostitute and a few episodes before that, we talked about the prostitute, but now Mm -hmm. we see the church, which is the bride of lamb being, you know, dressed in white linens and made righteous and being brought as this perfect, uh, perfect body for Christ. So, and then we see new Jerusalem versus Babylon as we talked a little bit at the beginning here, we talked a lot about Babylon last episode, and now we're starting to see the beginnings of New Jerusalem, and we'll really see it in the next few chapters when they talk about the description of Jerusalem and uh, exactly what that looks like. And then the marriage supper versus the judgment of the feast. There's the judgment feast, which we will see the judgment feast here in the next little section. I just wanted to bring this out here so that it was on your mind. We see the the marriage supper is this this glorious praising time and as we'll see in a a few minutes when we get to that section we'll see the judgment feast which is just carnage and and the beast eating the sinful ones so then at the very end here on line 10 
we see this this section where he's falling down at the feet of the angel mm-hmm. and that like worries the angel and it's basically one of the good places where whenever they start whenever you get to someone who's talking about angels like way too much you just point them to this it's we don't we're not supposed to worship any of god's you know followers we're supposed to worship god so this could also be part of that saint thing where you get a lot of people praying to the saints and stuff like that oh you can also use this as as a symbol where you know we're not supposed to be praying to them. We're not supposed to be worshiping them. We're supposed to worship God and pray to God. He's, he's our, you know, spiritual father. He's the one who does all the work. He may work through angels and saints and whatnot, but they are just tools of God. They're not, they're not, uh, what, what am I thinking? They're not gods in of themselves, you know, idols. Like yes. Gods. So it does yeah, refer a uh, way back in the, you know, actually continually that you don't worship a false idol, not to say yeah. anything in disregard to any of the saints in the way that yeah. they themselves have been dignified. Um, it's idolization in general over mm-hmm. anyone, but the Lord and anyone, but the father. And, it, yeah. it, it it's interesting. I don't want to offend any of our Catholic listeners. I appreciate that you do. Yeah, yeah. this is just our uh, you know our insight that we can provide, and you know a little bit opinionated just because we are uh, Protestant. But yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it should be all it's, good. It's, all it's good. just I have uh, yeah no I know I know I I don't have any issues with you know elevating saints and stuff like that in recognizing what they did and, you know, what kind of, you know, their effects on the world are great, but we also need to recognize that it wasn't them that did it per se. It was God working through them that did it, you know? Yeah. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters, you know, and God works, God works in mysterious ways, I think with everyone. So, and uh, we have a historical record of, whoever it is in the Bible that you can reference to immediately. Uh, though he works with every single one of us when we may not notice it or we are fully comprehending it. So, yeah. Yep. So if, are we ready to get into the next section or you got any more questions? Probably should. Yeah. All right. If you'd read the next section for us, starting at verse 11. Yes, sir. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. His uh, With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty, of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, 
who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider of the, on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. And there we see Jesus riding in on the white stallion. Finally. King of kings. So this white Lord horse Lords. is a symbol of victory. Yep. Yep, he's this this white horse is a symbol of victory. So, very much he is going to have he's going to have victory over these people, and the faithful and true are titles connected to Jesus. So we very very sure that this person on this horse is Jesus. This would be his second coming. This would be him returning to correct the account to end these deceitful and evil empires. So. And his description right here in the beginning, his eyes are like blazing fire on his head or many crowns. The, the eyes are like blazing fire is clear back from chapter one. Yeah. When we have seen the description of Jesus as the son of God and the way that uh, he appeared yeah, to John and, yeah, and when yeah. John was in spirit and he said, he even mentioned also the sword. Um, um, I, I, I don't know mouth. if you have, is that coming up? Yeah, no. it's right. Yeah, here. the sword coming out of his mouth, the double-edged sword that protruded from, you know, his where mouth. his tongue would be. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we see we see very much the same description of Jesus or the Son of God as we did in the first few chapters. Now his authority dwarfs the dragons, and in, in the beast and the false prophet are captured during this fight, and they are thrown down into the abyss. In his outer garment of blood, this is an interesting one. It's either a reference to his blood from the cross, or it is it is the blood of the unrighteous that he's here to slay. So one of these two, I, I didn't find a whole lot of information on which one is, is necessarily. Both seem to have you know good points where it's this little bit of a reminder that is his sacrifice that we are saved and then it could also be that he is, you know, conquering these people. So he's wearing like white linen and then he has like an overcoat of some sort. That is, that is dripped in blood. It's not his white linen that is dripped in blood. So, and then uh, the iron rod is unyielding, is an unyielding just rain. This often rods and scepters are signs of leaders and kings and stuff like that. So the fact that he has this iron rod means that it'll be an unyielding rain. And knowing Jesus is going to be all about his justice. And right. then the king of kings. And well, Lord before we Lord, get into the next point, oh, I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to be too outward with this. 
Uh, yeah. Though you do want to think about this, how cool that sounds. The fact that Jesus has, you know, he went from uh, drapes and all these, you know, a horrible ending to his life, you know, yeah. pretty much ended n- nude and uh, humiliated. Yeah. And now he's got the coolest outfit that you could ever think of. And he leads with an iron rod right. and scepter. And so they gave Jesus unlimited weaponry, a white horse yeah. to add to that. Okay. And definitely some very cool, um, you know, d- d- very, signi- very signifying leadership outfit. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm yeah. one of those guys that just you know the more and more I hear about him, it's so cool to me. Um, I, it, it's not fantasy to me either. So the fact that at some point in my time, I will be able to witness that is just flooring yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. And then another thing on his outfit, while we're still here and and taking a moment, uh, the many crowns talking about his authority that dwarfs over the dragon. Uh, we see the dragon with crowns. We see, you know, the beast with horns and crowns. And we, and as we talked about, crowns and horns are this symbol of power and authority. Well, Jesus has many crowns. It doesn't doesn't specify exactly how many. But when we think of God and how He is different than all the other Elohim, which would be just spiritual beings or demons, as I've referred to them before, sure, His power level is so much beyond that. So, like say a regular angel has like a power level of one or two. And then say we, when we become spiritual beings can achieve a rank of like 50 and maybe the most powerful seraphim can reach a power level of a hundred. Well, God, his power level is, is off the charts. It's like over 9,000 as I had planned to say, you know, I knew. Okay, I was really there. thinking he's gonna go there with that. Yes, it's a nerd joke for gamers. <laughs> uh, that's what got me initially, uh, other than the fact that I love uh, Jesus and our Lord God. And I think uh, the more yeah. and more I found out about the Bible, every single time, it's just getting more awesome and awesome. But yes, we are nerds, so yeah. he did put that mathematically into some sort of an equation <laughs> that would equal infinity. <laughs> is actually the better answer to that. He is infinitely powerful son of the creator of the universe. And he is one with the creator of the universe, our Lord God. But Uh, yes, I I had to get that joke in there. (laughs) It's a reference. His over 9,000 thing is an internet reference to a a, a cartoon, Japanese cartoon, but I won't get into that. (laughs) All right. So continuing on where it has this little section where it, it puts out this King of Kings and Lord of Lords all by itself, at least in my translation, it does. And in Aramaic, which this section was written in, or this, this phrase was written in, uh, the words that add up for Kings of Kings or Lord of Lords equals 777 when you're doing numerology and, and figuring out. So it's, it's three words of seven characters that ends oh. up being King of Kings or Lord of Lords. So we see here as the beast was 666, which is the number of man three times. We see that King of King and Lords of Lords equals 777, which is the number of completion three times. Mm-hmm. So. It's not just Carrying something on, that you see, see in that. gambling. It's definitely a significant thing. So, um, you know, right. It, there's right. a lot of, and, and I think that's where, 
I think it'd be an interesting study to do if that 777 on like roulettes and, and gambling stuff like that, if that does have ties back to, you know, Christianity where that is God's number, that is a lucky number, that is a good number, you know. So, uh, okay, that that like perspective that. is much more positive than what I was thinking. It was like, you know, as you know, with gambling <laughs> folks, it's not always too wise. So this could be a misconstrued um, a conception of how something that appears good is in the disguise of evil. But okay. I like yeah, I like yeah, the way no, you're thinking though. Like, what was the origin of that? that? It could have been a it could have been a Christian yeah. family inventor that did it. Who knows? Yeah, no, and and maybe the people who did it, you know, would were these cultural Christians who are like, what number should we make for the jackpot number? Seven seven seven. You know, like it could have totally been that, or it's just maybe it's a common number that seven is a good number in gambling. And I'd be really interesting if someone wants to do a podcast on that. I'd listen to it. The origins yeah. of seven and gambling, and if that is tied back to Christianity, ultimately, you know, <laughs> we, we're going to have to go on like ancestry dot com or so. I wasn't supposed to say any references, but you know, one of those uh, 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 DNA yeah. you could censor like that. Um, one of those but DNA <laughs> delving things. Anyway. Um, uh. Yeah, well, why don't we get into the next point? Because we only got a couple. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about the, uh, in the last section, the judgment feast. So here we see the judgment feast in the last few sections where it's talking about the carrion fowl feasting on the bodies of God's enemies. And so we see here that it's the turn from humans eating animals to animals eating humans. So after he slaughtered the unrighteous, he has turned over the natural order of things. And then the peace, or the, the peace, the beast and the prophet, I was trying to say prophet and beast at the same time. I totally know what you are did. Cast into, yeah, are, are cast into hell with their followers who were executed or they're cast into hell and their followers are executed. And here we see Jesus writing down and it talks a little bit about that. He has armies of, of heaven following him, but very much in the conflict section, it looks more like it's just Jesus who rides out there and wipes out the entire armies of these unrighteous. So <clears throat> it's not, I think the armies following behind him is more of just, a symbol of, Hey, look, this is what you're missing out on as I come through and wipe you out. And you know, this is final. judgment. (laughs) I I think there is glory to be held in also marching into battle with, you know, with Jesus too. Um, yeah. On on the flip side of that, but (laughs) yeah, no, it'd definitely be cool to march into battle with Jesus. But of course I, it's, it very much sounds like he can do this without us. It's just, we're here. Yeah, because, you know, it's for us, not for him, <laughs> sort of thing. It is. It is. It, I think it's for both. Um, in all honesty, um, mm. and that being said, too, I mean, it's probably the only time you ever have to do that, right? Uh, other than other than in your daily lives and everything you do, you are always going to have to face battles. Uh, that's part of our life here on Earth. It's a testament to it. Um. Mm-hmm. Though the uh, the only time that you're really gonna 
<laughs> no, just kidding. You always are going to find support, especially in this community, in the Christian yeah. community, that will help march in, you into battle as well. I just wanted to yeah. correct myself there. Yeah, and then Jesus is with us. As long as we're in him, he is with us. So as for takeaway today, I think that's that's a good place to end it is as long as we are in Jesus, he is with us. And no matter what terrible things we're going through as long as we lean on jesus we will always we will get through it we may not you know get through it unscathed but we will get through it and to remember that death is gain even in our death we still gain the you know the ultimacy of eternal life so amen that's um you know, um, if there's anything to add, I just really like the fact that you've brought up a lot of very uh, interesting perspectives today. Uh, I know it's your perspective, obviously. Um, I, I make references to, uh, I'll just say, like, it, it, as far as a, you made some very good shots today on that. And, um, yeah. I, I, anything you disagree with? <laughs> no, sir, actually. I, 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 I really okay. liked what you've had to say. And just to bounce off of your point, too. Um, there's only improvement with every step that you take with the Lord. Trials are, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to get complicated. They're going to get strenuous. I don't have to tell anyone in this world that twice. Um, but yeah. if there's anything I do want to uh, implicate for anyone that is listening, uh, whether you're, you know, you're in the background or whatnot, is just that, you know, he's a strengthening thing. He's not, he's more than a thing. He's infinite to us and welcoming him in. I mean, it makes you, it, it, it's the best decision you'll ever, ever make. I mean, it's turned my life around completely. And I know that uh, JD here has, he's definitely got a good testimony to that too. Yeah. Yeah. And actually you bringing that up kind of reminds me of something that we haven't said in a while. If you're, struggling with something and need prayer or maybe some advice we could point you to better resources feel free to contact us because we're in this together as followers of christ so feel free to reach out to us uh you know yeah absolutely absolutely shall i put a cap on that buddy okay um yeah probably before we end up scaring i was gonna say before before we end up scaring anyone away from being too considerate. Why don't we go ahead and do that? Okay. (laughs) Thank you for listening to revelation on demand podcasts. Please like share and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please. If you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelation on demand at gmail.com. God bless and see you next time.